Welcome to Rap Fiesta. Welcome to Rap Fiesta. What up, everybody? Welcome to Rap Fiesta. To Rap Fiesta. Rap Fiesta. To Rap Fiesta. Rap Fiesta. Welcome to the Rap Fiesta podcast. We're here with my good friend, the great Barry Rosenblum, studio manager of Green Tea Studios, manager of Million Beats, man, doing his own thing on the side too. Bro, it's a pleasure to kick off this first episode with you. It's amazing. It's like, uh, it's a nice reunion episode. Yes, sir. It's been a minute too. We were having a phone call yesterday. We could have just did that on the podcast. Uh, we probably should have. Yeah, you were spitting some game too. Of course. So what's new, man? What's going on in your life lately? Well, I got married in August, so that's exciting. You know all about that. That's um, studios, studio's been good. We reopened during COVID, and that worked out pretty good for us. Where We opened our second location in January, and then our third one with Chase the Money in this month. Chase the yeah. Money. Where's that there? And the, the first one is in um, West L.A.? It's in West L.A., yeah. And the second one's in Burbank, right? Burbank, yep. And what about that third? Studio City. Studio City. And you said it's with um that famous producer, Chase the Money. Chase the Money. That's a big deal, bro. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. That's huge. And we're doing big things at Green Tea right now. So you're doing them weekly radios. Mm-hmm. Is this my computer or your computer? I Is that yours? How does it take a call while it's on Zoom? That's pretty wild. Never seen that. Yeah. Yeah, man. We uh the first episode, it's kind of crazy. I just like got this. You see this stupid thing right here? It's pretty lit. Oh, I'm whatever. Sure. Yeah, we got that in the back. It's fire. Keeping it going. Yeah, man. We're just gonna we're I'm trying to get like real cool people like you on here and just mm-hmm. see, you know, pick your brain a little bit and just get some insight and so we can share it to some people who be listening in. So yeah. um so I want you to tell some people too, man. You're managing a few artists right now. It's not just a million, right? Yeah, so I'm managing a producer named Million Beats. Great producer. We just put out a record with Danny Lay. I'll talk a little bit about that. But I'm managing an R&B singer named Cam as well. And I'm considering taking on a third client from Oregon who might be moving to LA. She's very talented. She she actually gets all her stuff mixed through Green Tea. So so what do you look for when you're about to like sign a new artist? just how serious they are, how much they care about the music and not just clout. Like I think cloud chasing is lame. And I think that cloud chasing is not what gets you actual clout. Like you, you could tell who the cloud chaser is online. Right. You know, not easy. And like people think that shit's cheesy, but you could tell when a brand's authentic and if the kid's authentic and like they, they give a shit about the music, it definitely shows. That's the first thing I look for. So like, I was going to ask too. So, are you seeking people out or are people seeking you out and hitting you up? Like, I really want you to be my manager or are you doing it on the flip end and going after artists that you think are dope that you want to manage? Well, I'm not necessarily running. I'm not necessarily running after artists at this point, just because of the studio. Like I'm in touch with so many artists that if I find one, there's like this one Spanish kid that we're, uh, we're about to start mixing who doesn't have a manager and he's literally like unbelievable. Like unbelievable. He sounds like X. It's, it's crazy beautiful voice but like i don't know like i don't know if he wants management i don't know what his whole situation is like we're going to start off with mixing and you know i'll provide guidance like i do for all the other artists and if i see that he believes my guidance or that's really the first test to see if like people dig how i do my thing you know and like what made you want to get into the management game you know because you're a rapper yourself i don't know if people know ursa the chef makes some pretty hard music we got a song together too 
man, we 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 got some crazy memories from just spitting all the time too, bro. Like yeah. we, we performed at a comedy club. Like people don't do that. Low key. Luke, when you were at that, <laughs> you were at that, right? Yeah. My wife was at that. I mean, it was like, I don't know, man. For me, when I was when I was the artist, um, I just remember like taking on way too much shit. Like that's really what the whole thing with green tea is trying to provide is like from A to Z artists are dealing with first things first is recording, mixing, mastering, play, then, then press release for putting it out, then um, running after blog writers and then playlists and then music videos, then photo shoots, then, you know, responding to emails. And it's just like, oh my God, dude, there's so much before it even comes time to do the actual music. Right. So like you get to the music as the artist and then you're already just exhausted. So I was just like, first of all, myself, I was burnt out. Like I was burnt out from doing it. Like I felt like I was starting to cloud chase and like who I was becoming with that. Like, and I think my intention with the music was not where it had to be. So for me, I kind of just like, I also started writing for Lyrical Lemonade that summer and I started easing my way out of just being the artist and I started managing Million like basically accidentally. I was having like some real dope artists come to the studio work with him and we like landed a placement with Skip It to Flip It through that. Um, yeah, really- how was it meeting him, man? That's crazy. Me and him are actually now like we talk about stocks together a lot. Ah, that's- what is Skip investing in these days? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that, but... <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. That's like, crazy. He's a great guy. He's a really nice guy. Flipper. Man, that's why he's dope. I, I love seeing it on the IG whenever you guys are collabing. It's crazy. It's sick. It's so wild. Former QC, bro. Yeah, wait. Well, quality control. Yeah, no, for sure. That's It's so wild to me. Like, And you guys are in the room now with so many big names and just making shit happen. It's like, it, it has to be a good feeling. It's rewarding because I read all these articles about like, you have to make it happen between 19 to 26. Like Like, this is the age to make it happen. And I'm 25. So I'm like, I mean, not that 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 actually matters the age, but like, it's good that I feel like I'm getting that in at at this age. And I was like, my years of trying to connect with people. For for the average like artist who's trying to get, you know, in a room with Skippa or get in a room with Danny Lay, you know, what can you tell them? How, how does that, how does that go down? It really takes a while, man. Like I got lucky because like that summer I actually applied to Lyrical Lemonade. I didn't think I was going to get it and I ended up getting it right. And like, like, I think, I think working hard is the only thing you can do, but like you have to also mentally be prepared for big moments like that because like I could have been super shaky about being in a room with Skip, but that was probably the biggest person I'd been in a room with at that point. And I just like, there, you have to not act like people are hot shit when you're with people that are bigger or that are hot shit (laughs) or or more accomplished than you. Yeah. You have to play it off and like, you have to be cool with it. Otherwise they're just going to be like, yo, get the fuck out of here. Like just being completely honest. No, that's 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 honestly still crazy though. It's cool because like these these type of artists get so many DMs like, and they they ignore everyone. You know, like it's mm-hmm. all it's just a drop in the bucket for them. People trying to reach out like that. So it's crazy to see you do it because you have to do it in a creative way. Like you didn't link with him as an artist. You linked with him like as a studio manager. You know, with as a manager of a producer, like making collabs in that way. I did not with Skippa. I, I that was when I was writing it at Lyrical, and his PR reached out. To oh, me. really? I, I didn't even know that. 
this is the story with Skipper. I just started with Lyrical. I was posting a lot. I posted about someone in Atlanta um, and a P I was getting hit up left and right by PR because I was putting out a lot of content on Lyrical Lemonade and probably like three to four articles a day for like seven weeks with them. But Your history with Lyrical Lemonade is so interesting too. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk. I was, I know that's why I'm, t- I'm being touchier on it because I don't know if you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm allowed to say or not say. It's definitely very, uh, very questionable. It's, stuff, it is interesting. It is to interesting, say the least. So, so all these PR people are are hitting me up because there's being a lot of attention driven to my page. He's a writer for them. Blah blah blah. Skippa's PR people are like, yeah, um, you know, let's 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 meet up. Let's do an interview at the studio. Because I told him about the studio and Million was there. Yoni was supposed to be there, but couldn't be there for some reason. And Million was playing beats when Skip walked in. And before the interview started, he recorded a song. And in that situation, me and Million looked at each other. I was like, should I just manage you? Like, I've gotten you a couple of these now from this lyrical situation. So that's how it happened, pretty much. We made this song and Skip's like, I'm putting this out uh, as a single for my flip. I uh, still having two. young thug is on that album gunna's on that album i think lil got it's on that album like that's beautiful million got thrown into like a whole whirlwind of shit how did you meet million in the first place um so before we moved to cottoner me and million um my cousin jack was moving out of usc and i went to go help him and his roommate made beats and he wanted to come to the studio one night and he brought million he asked me like wow 20 minutes before the session, he was like, can I bring someone else? And Yoni was like, nah, man, you know, it's a small room right now. I was like, dude, what if he's elite? Yeah. And, um, I think he was wearing all babe. It was something hilarious. <laughs> and, um, I was like, who is this tall Ukrainian guy? I mean, he played the chords for Gretzky. And like, I heard he was like working with Migos or some shit. So when I made Gretzky with him, I was just like, do triplets, just, just work with this guy, do whatever you have to do to work with him. We made Gretzky like, like two hours. That was a, that was a low key little hit in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Every day now. What happened? Still get Ukrainian people on your DMS and you down. I stopped posting so much on the Arista page, which was like probably long-term, not smart. I could have turned it into a business page, but I stopped being active on it. Yeah, like, dude, you have so many things going on. Where, where, like, what's going on with the, the rap game for you? Are you trying to still make music and be an artist in that way? You have so many, you're wearing 15 different hats. Mm-hmm. And none of them have to do with actually making music. <laughs> so, I mean, am I, am I putting out music anymore? Probably. I've got a lot of songs I can drop. I have, like, seven or eight mixed and mastered fully done that I could drop whenever. Um, like I said before, at, for me, what happened was when Mac died, I realized that like, you can't do a family normal life and be famous. And I got married, dude. Like I, that was a big realization for me is like, what type of lifestyle I wanted. Like, no matter how you phrase it, even if you don't get clout and you don't get famous, you're, you're literally, you have to be in the studio at all times. You need to, you need to be on social media at all times when you're not making music and you just be focused on that to make it happen and like uh, i'm already so busy as it is if i were to do that i literally would never be home and it just yeah well you you pick the best of both worlds because being an artist you're right you have to be in front of the camera all the time you have to do a lot of shit for clout like you just need to keep things 
going up. But as a manager, you're still in that field and you don't need to do all that craziness. You can just mm-hmm. be behind the scenes and, you know, meet all these dope ass people. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. You're like, it, it works. The thing, the thing was for me is I just love being around music in general. So yeah. Like, me, it was just like, stay involved with music. Cause that's what you like being around. And I found myself in this position where I'm at studios all the time. And, and the other thing is because I did all this music stuff already, I did, I was the artist and I really did take it seriously for a good amount of years. I under, I really relate to and understand what artists wants and needs are and what, and like what it takes to get it done as well as like, if I'm ever in a situation where I need to be in front of a camera or, or help someone learn how to be in front of a camera, I'm able to do that. So yeah. Like, no, you have the performance aspect down. I'm definitely very thankful for those years. And I still make hella music. That's the thing. I'm still writing a lot. I'm not as much as I probably want to, but like, it's not what I'm necessarily going for anymore either. So I'm not like upset with myself. I feel like a lot of people need to hear that though, because there's so many artists who are trying to force it on that end and they could be great and in, in, still in music, but just in another way, you know? Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, but I would never tell someone don't make music. Yeah. Like, make music if you love if you love actually making music, make music. That doesn't mean it, first of all, like just, there is a sad reality to it. It's not it's not going to happen for everyone. There's only a set amount of number. There's only a set amount of like A-list celebrities. So if you think you're the next Drake, like I'm not even in an offensive way, it's most likely or not, but you could be the next you. And that's not to say that you can't have a successful career doing that like Fishman's friend Spoz, dude. This guy goes on tour. He has like two, three hundred, sometimes a thousand people show up to his shows. He's selling tickets for twenty to forty dollars. If a thousand people showed up, he made twenty thousand dollars that night. Like that's yeah. Fine. Yeah, people you need know, to I, focus on their niche, man. That's what I'm saying. You're trying you, to take over the world, but just take over one part of the world at a time. You know, yeah, bro. If if COVID didn't happen, I was really gonna go to Ukraine. We had we had like five, six, seven shows planned. I was gonna go. That would have been crazy. That ass about to do it. Like a couple of weeks before I got married, I was going to go give it a shot over there, see if I could stir up some shit. And if that was happening, like I would have, I would have been flying there maybe like once every other month. Like, yeah. Why? Yeah. I wish that happened. I would love to hear those stories. It'd be crazy. That would have been more, that probably would have been more interesting to talk about than this. <laughs> Pretty crazy. That'd be nice. Damn. That's so sick though. Damn, so that chapter is like, it, it seems like it's open now as a hobby for, for you, like, making music. I've been making music since I was 14, so I'm never really going to stop. You know, I just love that shit. No, so. I can't get away from it either. Like, I'm always trying to experiment, too. Like, I started posting those TikToks because I want to, like, test the, wa- test the waters and see how these algorithms work. And, like, just it's fun. Like, I don't, I don't, making TikToks is, should be, like, every artist's thing to do because I know every artist, like, hates putting out music like right away they like to hold on to these songs and like you have to commit to it you have to go get it mixed you have to go get it mastered on tiktok you just put it out and see what happens you know that's what i was telling i was telling some artists at our studio i was like dude you have so many snippets exactly come on tiktok if one of them blows that's the song you drop they're telling you like everyone on tiktok is telling you which song they love like if this you post 10 videos and like two of them go crazy you know to finish those songs and drop those exactly like, there should be no questions if you and if you really are doing music all day spending an hour and a half on your content isn't like this is this is something i talked about with someone because i'm i'm deciding if i'm jumping my full-time job soon like if i'm, wow. doing that, if I'm jumping my full-time job and doing studios full-time if you're doing something full-time you need to know what your 8 a.m till your 8 p.m is every yeah. day if you yep. have to know i'm doing content 
from eight, I'm eating breakfast, eight to eight 30, eight 30 is when your, your work day starts. If you're unemployed, like yep. if you're not working for a full-time job. Your, your day starts at eight 30, no matter how you phrase it. If earlier, if possible, you know, um, and like at that point, you have to really decide, like, is this worth it for me? Like you, if you're not going to work 12 hours a day on it and you can't set an actual schedule and fill it with all the shit you need to do, then like, it's it, like, it will not happen for you the way it's happened for Russ or for any, because those guys did that, bro. That's what, yeah, that's they, what they, Russ literally locked himself in kid super's basement like in brooklyn i think it is for however long and he he literally would say he would like leave the house every like other week and wouldn't know what day it was like he literally wouldn't know what month it was it was, it was that's the type of work i think you want if you really want to if you really want to blow up like that's that's what it's going to take my friend david miller didn't leave his house or like i think his actual property for six months like i don't think he left in his car to go drive somewhere for six months when he started making beats that's crazy. He's worked with like incredible artists in Chicago. Like that's how it works, bro. Like you either do this shit or you don't. Like See, there's really- so many people who do that, who do what Russ and your friend do, and they still like aren't even close. You know, and then and they'll quit. And you're then you're just not good. Like not even just- you're just not good. It's just maybe you didn't you get the opportunity yet. Exactly. You should have kept at it for another six months. You know. It's so many factors. It's this is like the heart being an artist and being a successful artist is such a hard thing to accomplish. There's so many cards against you. It's crazy. There's so many talented people who are making music. You know that top, you know the top 500 on Spotify? Like if you're a top 500, it shows it in your about section. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I have a, uh, a theory that in Los Angeles, there's 10 million people. So let's say t- just 10% of Los Angeles is artists. And then 10% of that are musicians. So a hundred thousand, let's say, let's say a hundred to 250,000 in just LA alone. Yeah. To be the top. And, and that's just Los Angeles. That's not Sacramento. That's not even all California. Like worldwide, there's eight, what, almost 8 billion people or some shit. There's literally probably a billion artists. If you're the top yeah. 100, you've, you've legitimately are a very successful musician. Yeah. No, okay? If you're a top 10,000 artist, you're a very, very successful musician. No, I agree. It's Even if you're a top 30,000 musician in the world, you're very successful. No, it's no, it's true. And like true. people think like, oh, and people are so like, at least the DMs that we get, they're so confident in their songs and they like shove it down your throat. Like they're not, a lot of these artists need to focus more on making connections because that's that's what really great artists do. Like they get plugged in on certain playlists and get their shit, shit spun on the radio. Like it's not just going to happen just because you put it out. You need to be, be creative and work outside the box. Bro, Cardi B pushed $50,000 into Bodak Yellow. Oh shit. Someone just called me. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I actually know the engineer who, um, who made that song for, with her, like who, who uh, recorded the audio. Oh, engineer. That's his, Did he get any points on that? His name is Michael Ashby. This kid. I'm doing a podcast, getting phone calls. Um, no, <laughs> Michael, his name is Michael Ashby in Long Island. It's crazy, but yeah. uh, oh my god, this kid keeps calling me. All right, I texted him. I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> and he's still calling. I'm the same way. If you're ignoring my calls, I'm gonna call you eight times until you pick it up. I kept just, I, I picked it up and and hung up on him. <laughs> But um yeah, but yeah no it's crazy that song went Bodak Yellow really went. I'm saying she pushed it. it yeah, didn't, it didn't do its own thing. 
Betty Wap's Trap Queen didn't blow up until like a, a year later, like a whole year. It started making its rounds on SoundCloud. You know that song Cheerleader? By who? I need a cheerleader. Remember that? Sing it, some, sing it some more. Uh, <laughs> I definitely am not singing it some more. Hold on. <laughs> no, Cheerleader. I don't know it. Oh, by Omi. You remember this song. 100%. Play it. Oh, yeah, of course. Put out in 2010. Yeah. Hit the charts in 2015. That's crazy. First of all, I'm sure at that point he's working at like a fucking Starbucks and then he hears it on the radio and he's like, That's what? That's actually crazy. You know, what a crazy story. But that happens a lot in music, low key. Like this girl, Melly, she's she's pretty successful, but Beyonce just dropped those shoes. You know, like the, the ones in the glass box that all the celebrities were, were breaking. She used Melly's song from 2017 as the ad for it. Why W Melly? No, no, no. This girl Melly. I'll play oh, this. Girl Melly. It's M E L I I, right? She was already pretty successful, had like a good amount of followers. And then they dropped this song, they like from 2018 on a commercial for Beyonce in, in, in 2021. Oh, yeah. I know this. I know this track. But it blew up this year. You never know. You, you literally never know. Just let it go and push it. Like honestly, that's why I'm saying I'm not. I, I'm I not. You like that? I don't. I just, where'd you go? I just won't drop it because I'm like, it's not done or anything. But I should have like risklets. I dropped like yeah, frozen there, bud. Oh damn. What'd you say? Nothing. I was saying like even for me, like I have songs that I just won't drop. And like had I dropped it, maybe it would have made a round by now. You know? Yeah, we're talking. I was actually asking you like, why aren't you dropping these songs? What are you waiting for? Um, I just like I said, man, that's not my focus right now. Like, yeah. like that requires attention. Like that's just yeah. Like, I don't want to just drop and then not do any promotion at all. Like, and I don't want to do minimal promotion. Like, if I'm gonna do it, like I want to give it full attention, and I don't have the time for that right now. It's so much work to like actually give a single the proper attention. Like, with my point, bro. Like, wh- when do I have time for that right now? Like, but at the same time, you can just not care and drop it anyways. Like, I always tell people to do that too. Like, you, if you're really making so much music, you can't stop it. your resources and pr- promoting it because you, you're gonna be, you know, hitting zero real soon. I think your best promotion should be your single. Like, just keep dropping consistently. Consistency should be your promo. It's one way to view it. Like, yeah, I just feel so, like there's so many takes. There's so many takes like like Russ preaches that that's the only way to do it. And I completely disagree. Like at the beginning of someone's career, being selective is smart, but also being overly selective is stupid because we're not in that age where being selective makes sense. Like if it's 2007, I'm telling you to be selective with every song you're putting out because it's only getting radio play or it's being bought on iTunes. There's too many different streaming services now that being overly selective is smart, but like I don't think a single every two weeks is smart. I think that's like a lot. I think maybe a single a month because you don't, you don't want to be annoying to people either. Like overly doing it is annoying. Like, but if, like, if you're fire, they'll love it. Like if, if Drake sure. dropped a fucking song a week, I would go crazy. If Drake dropped a song every week, it wouldn't make sense. His viewership would go down. They're doing it right. That's my point. Like, well, he's, he's just so, He's the greatest artist of our generation. Like people are just always the greatest think, artist ever. He he might be the greatest artist ever. I'm a I'm a big supporter of the Rust theory though. Like I love it because it just if you buy into that, you're gonna keep on making music and keep on dropping, and you'll just be consistent. You know, like people will be here. You're getting better at everything in the process. 
Yeah, like I, I love that strategy. It's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Very expensive to do. Very expensive to do. Like he, he's like a big DIY guy. Like I hate that. No, something I don't like about him though is that he says he mixes and masters his own shit. Does he not? There's no way he's doing that now. Like I don't like I oh, he's definitely got some people on his team not helping him out. But still, like I don't know because he still jacks it. So maybe he's not. And that's like. I, I feel like I would also like be like, nah, I need to still jack that. So I would do the same, but it's crazy. Oh, bro, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why he's not mixing mastering his own shit. Because when someone asked me like Travis used to, Travis originally mixed and mastered his own shit way, way beginning. You know, you couldn't afford it. Yeah. Why would you not have Mike Dean mix and master your shit? If you can spend the money, like it'll sound infinitely better. And, and Russ himself has also said a good, uh, a good song for your friends and family is made by you and your producer. A good song made for the public is made by the engineer. Yeah. Like, he's well aware of that. Like he didn't have ginormous songs until he had clout because he didn't have a mixing engineer doing his shit. Like, cool. He's still making his cover art. His cover art's not that impressive to begin with. Like, no, it's that's what I love about him though, because it's simplistic. It, it is simplistic. colossal artist. And he just does things that other artists aren't doing. Like he's the, like his art game isn't crazy. Like it's really not. It's just it's just a simple, you know, like color background with a little logo, and that's it. And it goes like, and he's just showing you you don't need all this fancy shit to be successful. Like he's doing it without that. But then he's also in private jets. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah, no, it's true. His flex is crazy. I'm a big Russ fan. I really rock with him. I'm a little confused by his flex at times, but I get it. Like, <laughs> you know, dude, I, re I respect the shit out of him. I don't, I don't like him, but I respect him. No, I mean a lot of people don't like him. I see why too. He's very cocky, but I, hey, he's he Loki has some right to be. It's crazy, like when you're that good at something, the cockiness he's a top, is. He's a top fifteen paid rapper in 2020. Yeah, like I could see why he's cocky. It doesn't bother 20 million, me. He made twenty million dollars off music in, in 2020. I love that he posts his distro kit. It's crazy. Crazy, bro. It's crazy. I'm, I should say I don't think it's distro kit. Yeah, no, I want to talk about streaming services too at some point, but we only got a few minutes left, and I want to make sure that we give you a proper goodbye. My, oh, my already? Yeah, it's been like thirty-five minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every time we we do this, it it flows. We're yo, I definitely want to pick this up again in like a year or six months to a year, and just see where things were when we left off. Sure, I mean we could be doing podcasts as often as you'd like. Me and you talk, and it's like a podcast anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. We did a podcast last night. We just didn't record it. Uh yeah yeah was that last night or Friday? Um damn I, actually I think it was I know I think it was Friday yeah I think it was Friday. Better question before I leave. When are you dropping more music? I I know you uh, dropped your project was good. Thank you. I just wanted to drop something that I like mixed mixed and like mastered myself and just put out. Like I I really wanted to just say that I did that. Like that was just like a pride thing for me. Um uh, I'm gonna drop more music though for sure because. I like bottle. I spent all this money on a setup so I can drop more music so I can push myself in a corner and be like, if you don't make music, you just wasted a bunch of money. So mm -hmm. like I'm going to drop more music so I can like jack that I didn't waste my money. <laughs> but no, I love doing it. it. The thing is, though, like I used I worked with a great engineer and like he's he's expensive, you know, to put out like a quality sound. And I just don't want to keep funneling money like through that because I want to like. I'm not trying to blow up, you know, I'm not, I'm just trying to put music out for fun. So I'm going to work on it myself, you know, like for me, that's the route I'm going to go. But that's a very good question. 
yeah, my guy. Thank you for the love on the project. That's love as well. Yeah, outro meant a lot because I, I was there for all for all yeah. the and whatnot. Yo, no, that was a uh, it was emotional. That was crazy. Yeah, you were you were there for that, bro. Was, was it hard writing that? Um no, nah, I think I, I think that was the fastest song I wrote because I was just like so I knew what I wanted to talk about and I was so locked in. So it just came very it came quick. I think I like wrote it in one sitting. Well, not hard to write like like emotionally. Was that difficult for you to put on paper? Um, and you know what? I don't think it was. I think it's harder when you listen to it later and then like it hits you in a different way because like it's it's true feelings. But every time you listen to it, you're in a different mindset. So like it, if you're like, you know, it, if you're in a, an emotional state, it'll hit you harder in that way. For sure. I, I actually was listening to one of my really, really old songs with Fishman from college uh, on Stick With Your People. I had my great grandmother's voice at the end and she passed away like a couple of years ago. And I completely forgot about that song. And it was just like it meant something. Yeah, you hear that again and it hits. It really hits different. It meant something so different to me, you know. So, yeah, man, I totally get that. Totally. Man, this was a great first episode, though, my G. Are you putting this on everything? Uh, I'm going to put this on Spotify for sure. I just want to see that that first episode go up, and then I'm going to keep dropping more. We'll see how it goes, though. Let's go. But, yeah, yeah. my man, Barry Rosenblum, Ursa the Chef, owner, manager of Green Tea Studios. Shout out Yoni as well. And, yeah, we'll keep it going. We're looking forward to seeing you go up. You should do this with Yoni. I, I would do it with Yoni. I'm down. I'll tell oh, hell yeah, I want to do it with Yoni. I want to be like, what is it like recording annoying ass artists? <laughs> like, no, I really we love to... everyone, man. We love everyone. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's the that's the two K generic answer, but I. <laughs> we do. We no. We, we love everybody that's coming in. We're we're very we're, we're at this point we're selective, so we do love everybody coming in. But uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime, my G. Have a good night. Give my regards to your beautiful wife, and oh, hopefully, we can expect a mini Ursa soon. Mini, <laughs> she's like, No, <laughs> I, uh, my guy, I love you, bro. Love you too. Peace.